welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Summary. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Claudia Pastides and she is a general practitioner by background, but now a full-time medical advisor at Flow Health. Claudia spent 12 years working as a doctor and has always had an interest in writing and marketing. Flow is the world's leading women's health app with over 220 million users. I did not know it had that many. Flow aims to build a better future for female health and supports women during their entire reproductive life cycle from first periods to pre-menopause, from pregnancy to young mums. So Claudia, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm all right, thank you. How are you, James? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, the dog has been causing absolute chaos on my phone calls this morning, jumping into the background, trying to have like serious conversations and the dog is literally like jumping through trying to get involved. Yeah, the working from home life, honestly. I saw, but he's beautiful. Ah, he is. He is. <laughs> he's beautiful. He's gorgeous. He's a, he, yeah, he gets a lot of compliments <laughs> on his walks for that. Anyway, we digress. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Claudia? From London, actually. So I'm at, the, at Flo's London office. Normally, I'm actually based out in Cyprus. We relocated wow. there with a the whole family six months ago. But I've come back um, for the glamorous role of recording some TikTok videos for Flow. Wow. So. wow. The medical advisor life supports a remote working situation from Cyprus. That's going to attract a lot of uh, people to that role. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, yeah. I'm sure we will get into it. Yes. <laughs> Claudia, it'd be great for our listeners if we could hear a bit of your story. The reason that you've ended up on this podcast is because you wrote a blog which uh, me and some of my team read and found incredibly useful, incredibly interesting about going from being a doctor to something like an advisory role in a startup or a whatever flow is now, scale-up company, 220 million users. That's uh, that's quite the journey there. But uh, yeah, that's how you got here. And so your journey is by definition, a fascinating one for, for me and our audience. So yeah, tell us, tell us all about your story. It's, it's been quite interesting getting to this point. So I was thinking, where do I begin to explain this? Do I start at university or actually do I start even a little bit before university? Because what I found was my parents, in fact, my whole family, generations and generations of doctors, you know, like classic, traditional, lots and lots of generations of doctors. Yeah. And Claudia, what are you going to do? What are you going to become? Well, I don't know anything different. And mm. actually, it seems like a nice job. It seems like a nice thing to do. Really helpful. You know, I really love science. So I started to go down that route when I was at school. But always in the back of my mind or always on the side, I was doing art. I was doing, I was fascinated by marketing. Um, I enjoyed writing deeply enjoyed writing. So there was always that side of me, but I went on and I did my my medical training um, at UCL. I then decided to become a GP because I really love lots of little things, like do a little bit of everything. I'm not so keen on, on doing just one thing at a time. While doing the training for that, I carried on writing the whole time, but writing in the sense of blogging, like health blogs. I really enjoy social media. That fit really well with my love of marketing because I saw a little bit of a relationship between the two. So I was always doing that alongside. And then when um, I became a fully-fledged GP, 
a fully qualified GP and also in that time had three small children as well. I realized that it wasn't exactly 100% what I was enjoying doing, if I'm honest. You know, it, it was, I was leaving early in the morning, pitch black outside. I was coming home late at night, pitch black outside, three small children that I was hardly seeing. My husband, a surgeon, so we were like, you know, just crossing paths, hardly seeing each other. Ships in the night, yeah. Exactly, yeah, like ships in the night. And at the same time, I was doing all this blogging and sort of marketing and little bits and pieces on the side that that I was getting so much satisfaction out of. And then by chance, actually, I got approached via LinkedIn by Babylon, Babylon Health. And they were looking for a copywriter to work in marketing. And I thought, this is absolutely amazing. It was freelance, so it's only 10 hours a week. And do a little bit of copywriting and marketing, which, again, writing, marketing, absolutely love it, and to do with health. The more I did of that, the more I loved it. Uh, I increased my hours more and more. And then I got approached by Flow, Flow Health, also via LinkedIn. Uh, So there's definitely something there in having... Mm -hmm as good a LinkedIn profile or as good a LinkedIn presence as possible. And yeah, they, they approached me and they uh, invited me to interview for this medical advisor role, which is in content. So again, to do with writing and part of my role also involves doing these TikToks. So a bit of social media, a little bit of marketing, comms, PR, sort of ticking all the boxes of all the things that, uh, that I love, but also drawing on the medical degree too. Amazing. When you say that you that you loved marketing, what do you mean by that? Because there might be people out there that for whom that is true, but they don't know it as that. So what when you first started liking that side of things, what was it that, that it actually how did that actually manifest itself? What what are the types of things you were doing? What are the types of things you were interested in? Because I imagine it's later down the line as a medic that you then go, oh, what I was actually interested in was marketing. So I guess aiming at those people that might not know it as that yet, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so actually it started even earlier. It started when I was doing GCSEs. Bizarrely, I realized I liked marketing where I was doing art GCSE and we had to combine an artist together so an, an artist's uh, picture, a famous picture of some description with some kind of advertising. So we had to make an advert based around a work of art. And I loved it so much. I remember it even now, just thinking about it. I loved it so much. I did this amazing picture of the Concorde. Well, I think it was amazing. Probably if I saw it now, I'm sure it would not look amazing. But it was this picture of a Concorde and it was on a backdrop of this sort of jungle. I can't remember who it was by, Henry Matisse or somebody mm. like that. And, and I was absolutely fascinated by it because I thought, look how you can take something incredibly beautiful and then you can add some kind of marketing uh, angle to it. And then I realized that everything I was watching, like whenever I'd see a billboard or whenever I'd see an advert on TV, I would always look at it that bit more in depth than everybody else in my family. Like I would spot every little bit to do with it and I find it really fascinating. Like, look how interesting it is the way they said that and what they want to imply by that. I just always, always just really enjoyed it. And then as I went through medical school, I, I really enjoyed um, health promotion, you know, and, and prevention okay. the most. Yeah. Uh, that was my favorite bit. And that's one of the things that I took through general practice um, as well. And 
And I realized that if you've got, say, like an advert for Coca-Cola, why is it that you can make an advert so good for Coca-Cola and make people want to buy that drink or buy that whatever? Why not present health information in a way that is equally engaging that would make people take note, you know, take note and pay attention to that advert, but for a positive benefit? Um, so, yeah, so I thought that there must be a way that there must be some kind of relationship there between health and marketing that can be filled. That's so true, because also when it comes to public health and when it comes to, well, what we're talking about really is is impacting lots of people through actions that one or a few people can do. It's, it's that impact to many, isn't it? And that's, I think, the the value that good marketing can have, and bearing in mind I'm in this game now like quite heavily, it's the knowledge that with with the actions of a few, you can you can genuinely impact the many. And it's interesting what you say, you know, you mentioned companies there, you know, Coca-Cola, if you talk about McDonald's, you talk about these these companies that, you know, using your powers for good or evil, <laughs> which which one are you doing? Um, and in terms of health, you know, like Coca-Cola and McDonald's aren't the best. But you're right, like, why can't those principles then be used in order to impact people for good reasons in the right way? And bringing that knowledge, that ability to impact to something like a health tech company, then why not? It becomes extremely exactly. interesting. Yeah. What was the journey through medicine like for you? Because this is this is interesting for me about there's people you know in in my slash our age group now that you know they've left for a few years and and making their own way doing different things it's becoming it's becoming a bit more i guess more of a trodden path now for people to do a medical degree do a few years of medicine and look for other opportunities because that skill of being a doctor being a medic is extremely useful for companies in not least marketing and all the rest of it but had you always had a view on leaving had you always had one eye on that is that something that you noticed early on it sounds like you you know had it planted in your mind to do medicine much as I did early on in my life or was it something that you just sort of did on a whim of like ah I've got this offer I'm gonna go (laughs) like how how did that happen I can't I'm trying to think well if there was a sort of like a a turning point for me because I really enjoyed medical school. Yeah. I really enjoyed medical school. I enjoyed my clinical years actually the most. FY1, FY2, okay, grin and bear it, you know, mm. head down, get through it. <laughs> All the rotations wasn't easy. And GP training, I loved. I loved the variety. So, so no, I don't think there was anywhere in that point where I thought I really want to jump ship. I really badly want to leave. It was more, I suppose partly life kind of changed things for me you know and by that I mean my family life yeah that kind of changed my priorities in a big way because what I found was that the more kids I had the harder it became for me to sort of be all in with work you know and all in and focused and really thinking about my patients all the time like I'll give you an example I was um I was doing a GP shift, a late GP shift one time. And I was called out to this patient and I went to visit her because uh, she was having Melina, I believe. And I had to check if she was okay. And I was struggling to get in and she couldn't open the door. And I thought, oh my God, has she collapsed in there? Do I need to call an ambulance now? You know, I was doing, going through all these motions, trying to work it out. And then at the same time, my phone was ringing from nursery because I again was late to pick up 
one of the kids, you know, my child was always the last one, always the last one sat in the corner. You know, we were the ones who had to pay the fines for the late nursery because when you've got a patient like that, which happens very often, you know, who do you prioritize? And we all think, okay, we've, of course our family comes first, but in that situation right there, I could not leave this woman. I had to sort her out. Whereas my child was well and safe and looked after in nursery. And similarly, my husband being a surgeon, he couldn't just drop things and go and, you know, and get, get the kids. So that kept happening again and again and again, where I realized that I just could not put the kids first, that my patients were just constantly coming first, first, first every time. And it became really difficult. And even working part time, I actually found part time more stressful because the more time I was out of clinic. So the more time I was out of clinic. It meant, it only meant that when I returned to clinic, there would be more to catch up on, you know, so-and-so, something had happened with, all these blood results had come in, you know, so I would come in very, very early. I would end up having to leave late. It was just really hard to manage my time, uh, feeling guilty about the kids, not feeling like I was being the best doctor either. So that's, I think, was kind of the turning point for me. So then when Mm -hmm. the situation presented itself from Babylon, I thought, you know what? a bit of remote working, a bit more flexibility and something I really enjoy. Actually, I never dreamed that I'd be able to work in a job where I do some writing and some marketing. Let's give it a go. And the more I did of that, the more I loved it. And it's not the less I loved medicine, but the more that favored me in every way, in my family life, um, professionally, I was feeling better creatively, was filling a role. So yeah, the more I gravitated that way and the less less of the medicine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, better better for you definitely. Where does technology fit into this story? I mean, you've ended up there. Was technology sort of take it or leave it? Was technology something that you were interested in? Talk to me about your relationship with technology because partly the reason I ask is because you're not the classic guest that we have on here which is the medic that either met an engineer or a computer scientist and founded a company in their garage and then raised a million from a VC and is now like on here trying to promote what they do. You're not that. And I think health tech's moved on. You don't have to be that to be in health tech anymore. You don't have to be the founder. There is so much going on that you can come to health tech with just a passing interest and you can contribute what skill you have in your case marketing. So I'm interested was technology big for you? Did you have to, in your heart and soul, have to get into tech? Or is tech an interest? Or is tech actually take it or leave it for you? But either way, you're in it now, so I'm interested. What's your what's your relationship with technology and health? Yeah, <laughs> either way, I'm there now. Yeah, tech for me is something that I, I fell into initially. Mm. I fell into it. It wasn't something that I was actively seeking out. So Babylon approached me. It just wasn't something that was that was really on my radar. And I also thought you have to know coding. You have yeah. to be interested in the engineering side. There's all these other things. Uh, so I, it was never on my radar. It wasn't something that I, that I ever thought of. So Babylon came to me, but then on the back of spending time there and seeing how exciting it is, how stimulating it is, how fast paced it is, how at the forefront, you know, almost uh, of, of healthcare that it is, bring in a pandemic that forces us to do more and more via tech, more and more online, uh, I've begun to enjoy it. And then when uh, when Flow came along, I thought, well, yeah, this is brilliant because this app is 
so it revolves so much around content and really good quality, really good quality, strong, medically sort of credible mm. content that this would be perfect for me. Something that's on an app, super user-friendly. I can give information to 200 million you know, people all at the same time if they want it. And if they log on and look at it, great. Like what other platform gives you that opportunity? So yeah, I fell into it. I fell into it. I didn't, I, I definitely wasn't looking for it. But now I sing about it everywhere on LinkedIn, on everything. And I'm just drawing a crowd with me. Like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be into tech. You don't have to be into tech. You don't have to, um, you know, be into coding. There are other ways in where you can make a difference, yeah. you know, have an impact and really enjoy yourself too. Yeah. What about the startup vibe as well you know fast growth companies high pace i don't know i was going to use a load of cliches about people playing table tennis that you know is a bit reductive but that startup culture well (laughs) is that what i can hear in the background is that actually amazing yeah amazing i did wonder the snooker there's yeah yeah Take with this foosball yeah we've got a bit of everything bags are the bean bags around as well i'm sure there are yeah no, no bean bags, but some really cool chairs <laughs> and baskets, wicker baskets and plants. Oh, <laughs> uh, fantastic. Are you enjoying the startup culture? It must be very different from a GP's office where, and you know, I'm not here to bash, you know, it is what it is. There are, there are people that love it and fair play to them. I always said I was, I, you know, would prefer my life be a lot easier if I did love it. But GP is very lonely specialty, I think, for especially some of the GPs that I know that my friends, it can feel very lonely. Um, being in that room on your day, you're the constant in, in that room and everybody else comes and goes. And it's difficult. There isn't a huge amount of teamwork and things like that. It's, it's but suited, therefore, to certain individuals that like that sort of thing. But what do you think about the startup vibe? I mean, it, you, you're filming TikTok videos in London in an office with, you know, snooker going on and plus or minus beanbag. It's a very, it's a very different life, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. my suspicion is that you're more suited to it but you, you, you tell you tell me yeah definitely more suited to it yeah for sure I loved general practice I loved you know having your your patient and following their journey and really making a difference to them and I can't take that away you know I can't take that and, and that's not something that I feel obviously in this job I, I can't feel that I don't have that one-to-one connection that I used to have so that is definitely lacking, but being, you know, right at the front of, of sort of of an area of medicine, I think, I think health tech is, it's like, it's like its own area. It's like its own little special area, little niche that is evolving so quickly and being surrounded by people who are, you know, super creative, open to anything, you know, give it a go, just give it a go, give it a go, see if it works, if it doesn't work back to the drawing board, let's start again, you know, same with Babylon, same with Flow Health as well. I really enjoy that. I really love that. I suppose to, you know, the slower sort of pace. In general practice, I found if you wanted to make a change, if you wanted to make a difference, I had to go through either a bunch of people or a bunch of approvals. You know, nothing ever felt quite as fast. And uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoy it. I get a real, a real buzz out of it. That doesn't replace the one-on-one patient contact, but it's different. One word that you've mentioned a lot is creative. And I think that's really interesting because I think an element of knowing 
what role to go into, particularly, you know, if you're looking to move into health tech or, or you move out of medicine to do something. Like, there's, there's lots of different things you thought about here, but it's so important to know yourself, know who you are, know what you like, know what you don't like. And much as you feel like you fell into health tech, I think I fell into creative. But since I have been in creative, all of a sudden it's made me realize I have always been a creative. And in fact, someone said to me, in fact, it was Ammon, who's now, uh, I think he's innovation at Pfizer now, doing extremely well, past anesthetist as well. He, I saw him at Giant Health and he and he said to me, he, he just said like, you're much happier being a creative. I've always seen you as a creative and now you're doing that. And and I, I, ne- I hadn't clicked for me before. Like I'd, I'd never really appreciated that. But when I look back, the things that I was into with design and photography and music and all this stuff where they're all creative things and I've been happiest when I've been exercising that creative. And I've, I have always liked technology. I used to have like, stuff magazine and t3 and i used to have like the latest like digital cameras and all that sort of stuff so i have always been gadgety and techie and so i suppose yeah it's interesting then to to combine the creative with with the with the technology i guess i mean what a health tech marketing agency geez i mean never thought i'd see myself here but for you have you always known you're a creative is that is that always something that you thought you needed to do in fact you do because you were looking at those adverts right even at a young age yeah, I was that person that um, that when I was applying for medical school, I was told, please don't take art to A-level because you're not going to get in with an art A-level. You need to just do the sciences. I remember being told yeah. this in medical school, like, please just do maths instead of art. And I said, no, I'm going to do art. Mm-hmm. I need Fair. to do art. And And I remember actually going to my UCL interview and that being a really positive thing for, for them they thought oh, this is great you know you do actually something different you're actually doing a bit of art Excellent. on the side of all the sciences so it was nice actually to get that kind of I don't think validation is the right word but just to to have you know some sort of senior people on the board there at UCL medical school just saying we actually really value this we value this creative side of you so yeah, there was it was always there. And you know, it's really weird. Like when I was a child, what I really loved doing was I loved drawing, but what I loved the most was drawing something and then finding that, oh, it's gone wrong. It's not quite how I wanted it to be. Let me adapt this drawing so that it is something better. I don't know, it's really weird. And, and I still get such a kick out of that. I get a kick out of being given something that's good, but just adapting it, tweaking it a little bit so that it's a little bit better. And, and that's what I love, I think, about the, the whole marketing side and the content side. You know, you've got this information that's like, say, word for word, what the NHS website says. But you take it, it's good stuff, it's the right information, but you just tweak it a little bit. So it's a little bit more interesting or a little bit more engaging or just a slightly different spin on it. Um, and I think that's creative. I think that's a creative take on healthcare, on healthcare information. I love it. I think that the world is a better place for having people that have got creative ability and skill in places where you would not expect to find that creative, you know, medicine being one of them. I think creatives in medicine are doing incredible things on TikTok, you know, with (laughs) 
public service announcement kind of stuff or basically just democratizing good information as well but doing it in such a fun way um and such an engaging way and tiktok massive help with how engaging that platform is but i think you can add value to we you can be anyone and add value to health tech i think but if you're a creative i think you can add a lot of value in health tech i think one of the reasons that somex even exists at all is to help the startups to be more creative in the way that they talk about what you do exactly what you just said right yes you can take the recommendations of an nhs report and you can put those on your website and that's a, a way of showing your value to that audience but so is a tiktok video <laughs> that says similar things and i know what yep. i'd rather watch and read like <laughs> you know yeah but yeah super super interesting let's talk about flow let's talk about flow so Flow come along, they offer you a job, you have a look at their website, or you know, maybe you know who they are originally. What's good about Flow for you as a user of it, if you were a user of it? What's good about them as a company? What attracted you to the role specifically? Talking about transitioning into a health tech company as a content slash creative person. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, what's, what's good about the app as a user? So yes, I did know about it, and mm. actually... I'm one of the many people who uses a period tracker and have mm. used a period tracker for a long time. And I knew about it because it was one of the biggest um, on the market. It also, it was just one of the nicest to look at. I like pretty, you know, I like pretty things. I like something that looks nice and I like something that works well. The functionality of it is great, you know, so why not? So that's initially why I got into using the app. But then the more I used it, the more I realized that it it was just it was just super super easy to use, incredibly easy to use, easy to track your symptoms, easy to track your cycle, and it had a variety of sort of um uh it wasn't just a period tracker. So you could also um, be somebody who's trying to conceive and you'd find it really useful. You could be somebody who's pregnant and also find it really useful. So it's got a few sort of different sections to the app. It's not just the period tracking. And and the thing that I love the most about it is the articles because the content is is really nicely written, you know, really good quality, much more engaging. It's almost like, um, you know, picking up a really good magazine not a not a trashy not a trashy one like a really good quality magazine and having to read through it and knowing that the content that's in there has been not just reviewed by doctors you know but has been written together with doctors mm. so it's a more engaging form of health information so i think that's why it's good it's good for a user and that's the content side i'm talking predominantly about the content side of it because that's the part that i work sure, in as a medical advisor so i help support uh, the writing of these articles and reviewing them. And that's sort of my my main role. I'd say about 80% of my time is is spent doing that. There is also another part to, to the app. You won't notice it as being another part because it's all integrated, but it's also got virtual assistants. So chatbots that you can, you know, uh, answer questions, you know, input your symptoms into as well. So there is that side to the app as well but i'm not so much on that side i'm more on the article on the article and the content side amazing so when you saw the job so what was it what was attractive about the role for you i mean obviously we talked about remote we've talked about it's in your sweet spot and this sort of thing um I'm interested. I mean, was tiktok in the job description was it just pure writing was it social media more generally 
very I'm just, I'm just interested yeah it was it was more uh, around content reviewing content but also uh, around the the more techie side of the app as well so actually okay. when I interviewed for the job there were a couple of positions open and I yeah. thought you know what am I just going to go down the content side which is sort of my bread and butter and I've been doing it for a few years at Babylon or shall I try the more medical programming side and see actually if I quite enjoy that. Never did any of that at Babylon. So initially what I did and what I loved so much about the company and about the chief medical officer, Anna, as well, was she said, you know what, give them both a shot. Just give them both a shot. You know, you've got you've got a three-month, three to six-month, say, you know, probation period. So just give them both a shot. Spend some time in both. See which one you, you fancy. If you want to do a bit of both, that's great. If you want to uh, graduate more towards one side than the other that's great too so yeah I tried both out and obviously I graduated you know I, I was sort of re- ended up more on the content side because it was different it was different from Babylon so it wasn't actually me doing the same thing again because I thought oh let me try something different but actually it is different still within the content space but different so um, I ended up sort of more that way. And then because at Babylon, I'd done marketing and had done social, some social media bits, some filming, some PR bits there. Um, I sort of naturally fell into that at flow health as well. Nice. So for all of the entrepreneurs listening, for all of the startup founders or even chief marketing officers of some of these startups and scale-ups, what does good content for a health tech company look like for you? How does Flow define that? Talk to me about that. Good content is first and foremost medically sound health content. <laughs> we're talking about yeah. so is first and foremost clinically medically sound. I think it's so important to have a medic either on board right from the beginning, actually, of creating the content. So I think very often people think it's okay, you can get um, a copywriter to write it because, you know, you find all the articles, you take the information that you want, you put it all nicely together, reword it a bit, okay, get a doctor to review it at the end. But actually, there's value in having a doctor involved early on if you can. So because obviously our understanding is very different. Our understanding of health information is very different. We're, we're used to, you know, presenting information to patients in a certain way, in an understandable way, you know, in a way that's engaging enough, in a way that helps them make a change if they need to. So we kind of have a different stance when it comes to putting together health information. We start from a different point. And also as the risk management side of it is huge as well. We're used to absorbing risk when we see patients. Actually, when you produce a piece of content, there is risk involved. There is so much risk involved. And you need to be aware that everything you write isn't going to suit every single person. And you only really know that when you've been a doctor for however many years and you realize that you can't give the same information to 10 people because one or two of them it will not at all apply to and not only will it not apply to it might be dangerous for them and you know that you've got it in your head already because you've been through it all the time you know you've been through it over and over again hundreds and thousands of patients so it's useful I think to have somebody like that involved in the creation of medical content and as early on as possible 
I totally agree. And you know what? You've articulated something there for me that I have not been able to put into words before because I've almost not realised I'm even doing it, which is that the closest I now get to that feeling of writing someone's medical notes, where whenever I used to write medical notes, I'd always imagine myself in court reading these out. The closest I get to that now is literally reviewing a blog that someone's written for one of our health tech companies because the way I read it and the way I review it is who's going to hate this first? Like, what's the first thing that someone's going to hate in here? Which person is it? Is it going to be the cardiologist that moans about my use of this? Or is it going to be a gastroenterologist that disagrees with it because it's intended for a radiologist? Or... Like that's the way I read it, and that's the way that. But that. But you're right. That is the nuance. That's why it's incredibly difficult to hire a copywriter, a generic copywriter, and stick them in a health tech company. It's impossible because they because you you're absolutely right. It depends on who your audiences are, and yeah, as you've put it, like your audience for flow will be in some way patients, but they'll be you know they'll be they'll be gynecologists having a look, they'll be radiologists having a look, they'll be obstetrics having a look like you know you you know the way you've written it that there'll be midwives there'll be you know psychologists there'll be postnatal like everyone's going to be reading this as well and you can't serve everybody and so it has to be targeted to certain audiences but there's so much nuance in it but I don't know it's it's interesting where you put it 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 takes me back to writing those notes like it it, it's funny and, and actually so I'm not the biggest fan of reviewing long form, but I obviously do it because I am the clinical director in what I'm doing now. Like we have, we are yet to hire one. It's on the list <laughs> to try and hire You've one. Got no and choice. I like the ten hours a week model. That's probably about the time I spend on it. So I might, uh, I might have a look and see if that yeah. job description's online and copy and paste it. <laughs> um, no, but it's true. That is the way our brains work. We tend to default to assessing risk. We're very yeah. much trained to like worst case scenario kind of brain. And it's funny at Flow, we sort of work, we work very closely with the legal and regulatory team. So whenever every con- every bit of content, everything we produce, social media, everything, of course, yeah. goes to legal, the regulatory, yeah. but like super, super careful. And on top of that, practicing clinicians, you know, so we have a, a board of over a hundred practicing clinicians. So when we write stuff, it's not just me that looks at it and signs it yeah. off and says, oh yes, you know, with my... GP, you know, uh, eyes (laughs) from a few years ago. This is what I think is okay. It's actually run through a practicing clinician too. Mm. So we literally, we we are so careful to manage risk when it comes to to this kind of health information. But we do always laugh when we say, oh God, the the doctors and the lawyers here are the worst. You know, (laughs) we're like the the fun police, you know, because this beautiful article is written and it's wonderful and it's so fun and so engaging and then the doctors come along and we'll scratch through it and the lawyers come along and scratch through it. But what you end up with is something that's still good, it's engaging, it's fun, but it's also, you know, S safe and as medically credible uh, and trustworthy, you know, as as you can get it for as many people as possible. You're never going to suit everybody. But you need to be as safe as you can. Of course, yeah. of course, and yeah, it, it's a yeah, it's a check in the box for I suppose having a clinician on board for the early stage. People putting companies together and creating content, you know, having that clinician on board early to be able to be part of that content strategy early is arguably very important because that's the stuff that's going to make you known these days and becoming your own production company and all the rest of it. But it's interesting to me because it's kind of it's almost like how. It's almost like how people talk about designers. You know, the, the I remember Giles Morrison 
I uh, went to one of his um, clinical UX uh, things that he does. And I think it was in that that either him or someone said, like, the worst thing that you can do to a designer is bring them in at the end and tell them, oh, just make this look nice. And it's like you've completely misread yeah. what a designer can do for a yeah. company. I mean, a health tech company is a perfect example. Bring a designer into a health tech company to actually look at the product and to look at the systems and to apply design thinking to pretty much everything that you do. And as clinicians, we're, we're always going to overtoot our own horns in terms of our own relevance. But I, I do believe in content. It's important to have that base of uh, getting being able to get past clinical and regulatory reviews and legal reviews because we've uh, we've written a heck of a lot of patient notes with that in mind. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely it's definitely valuable. And what I've also noticed is a lot of companies uh, tend to not value content. I think as much, you know, from the start, it tends to be more like, oh, okay, now we're going to start putting a bit of content, you know. But actually. The content, especially for apps, is so important. It's what keeps people in, you know, in your app and keeps them coming back and keeps keeps you engaged. So, yeah, it's really important, I think, if you're working in, in health tech to consider content as early as possible, you know, as early as possible in the journey, for sure, not as an afterthought. Could not agree more, but I'm always going to say that, aren't I? As a clinician and as someone in marketing and as someone that's in content, yeah. I'm obviously going to say all three of those. All three of those things have to come first. Yeah, of course we're biased, but that's the, yeah. that's the nature of a podcast. Yeah. Nobody's regulating this, so like we can say what yeah. we want. Oh, amazing! These have got so much less formal as the years have gone on. Honestly, so Claudia, one more question for me, I suppose, is um, if you had advice uh, for, and this is. Uh, a loaded question based on the blog that you wrote but obviously if, if you had advice for mm. people looking to take up clinical advisory roles you obviously don't need to be a doctor we may have slipped into using that term a bit too often but you can be a clinician and add a lot of value to a health tech company and similarly you can be a creative and add a lot of value to a health tech company so you're covering both of those for clinicians and creatives that want to make a difference in health tech specifically, want to find a health tech company that might need them, want to break into that world, what do, what advice do you have for those people looking to do that that want to follow a similar path that you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> that is my that has been the biggest thing for me actually is and not just linkedin for the sake of linkedin but but networking for for me i think has been the biggest thing so making um relationships you know friendships with people who work in an area that i'm interested in following podcasts for example like yours for me which i started doing a while ago kind of in the early days oh, um of your podcasts so I think that and having um, a presence on LinkedIn where you sort of curate, my, my presence has changed. It's changed over the years. You know, it went from GP and yes, that's when I got my GP jobs. And then as I became more interested in marketing, that's when the marketing recruiter came along. And then as I started to manifest more health tech stuff on, on LinkedIn, show more health tech, then a health tech company came along. So you can kind of curate your, your interests and you can curate who comes 
to you, even if you don't really know what you're looking for, you'll, you'll see people will come and find you based on your interest, but you need to show people that's what you're interested in. And LinkedIn is one great way I, I have found of doing that. The other thing that I did was I'd go to, um, to career events for medics, but non-medical career events. So like Medic Footprints, I yep. thought was amazing. I went to Medic Footprints uh, with my baby, with like my, my six-week-old in my sling. I went to <laughs> Medic Footprints and, and made a lot of friends there and lots nice. of opportunities came about out of that. I also went to lots of stalls and found stuff that didn't suit me and I didn't pursue. But I also found stuff that I thought was really interesting and kept network, you know, networked and kept these relationships going. So that that's what I would say is if you're not certain exactly what you want to do, but you're you're creative or you're you you have other interests, just let people know about it. You know, make it obvious what it is you're interested in and find people that are also interested in that field. And you'll find that through those relationships and through networking and through being very open, um, things will present themselves. Opportunities will come up. I absolutely, absolutely love that. It's not the easiest thing in the world for, for many people to post something online. I've been doing it myself since 2012, so I've become a lot more... Yeah, I had LinkedIn in 2012, and one of our team was like, I was 13 at that point. Oh God, yeah, that's been it's been that long since I've been like posting on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I think that there's 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 a lot of community around it now. But as I say, it's not the easiest thing for people to do. I think one way that uh, I found it easier to do that and posting on LinkedIn and things like that is you said the word curating yeah i've curated a lot of industry news for example that i found interesting and just put those links out and it shows the world that that's the stuff that you're interested in you can just put a piece of news out with your opinion and things like that but again you're showing the world what you're doing and and that side of things and trust me if you're not comfortable putting your own opinions out in the world start a podcast because then you just put everyone else's opinions out in the world and you just sit there and ask the questions yeah. which is pretty much how the podcast started <laughs> like because I really don't back myself on my own opinion probably not even now but um I find probably too many times to talk about myself on my own podcast but yeah it's as I say it's, it's not the easiest thing for everybody to do um putting themselves out there but there are there are ways of doing it there are ways of showing showing the world what you're what you're in what you're involved in but the value on the flip side is the communities that you end up being part of and these communities exist now um i think health tech's definitely in a new place um where there is stronger infrastructure there's a lot more companies there's a lot more creatives in health tech than there once were because there are companies like flow with 200 million odd users and there's a few of those a fair few of those now to be fair so there's definitely communities to be part of and there's you know we're biased here claudia but there's no better place to find that than uh, than posting online particularly if you're willing to turn the camera around and show your face and say some words perhaps on tiktok like you're doing now um but you know that saying where they say um, where attention goes energy flows I love that saying because it's so true. It's where your attention goes. If you're focused on reading a lot about a certain topic and you're engaging with people who talk about a certain topic and you're reading, you know, books about it and you're, you know, the, the more your attention is in an area or something that you're interested in, the more your energy goes 
into that. And actually, the more likely you are to have a return from that, you know, you, you'll find that people will approach you with, with opportunities or you'll stumble across something that you wouldn't have uh, if you hadn't been putting your, your attention and your energy into, into that. So I think you just, you need to do a bit of digging, a bit of soul searching. What is it that I loved? Okay, I really loved this at school. Because it's fine to go back, I think, as far as school. I think sometimes we really do know what we love and what we enjoy and what we get a kick out of as early as young age, you know, as early as school age. And have a think back, what was it that I really loved and what was it that I really enjoyed? And how can I apply that to work alongside my degree and all the skills that I've gained from that degree and yeah if it's marketing you can absolutely combine medicine and marketing you need to focus your attention on that and your energy into it but eventually you you know if you stay in that area in that zone you will get a return and you'll find that opportunities will present themselves like career opportunities i love it on that note claudia thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure um if people want to get in touch with you to learn a bit more, bit more about you, a bit more about flow, perhaps, um, perhaps they want to read the blog that you wrote about how to uh, get to where you are. Uh, what's the best way for them to either get in touch with you or flow or find out about that stuff? Yeah, the best way is via LinkedIn. So if you find me on LinkedIn, Claudia Pastides, and also Medium, there's the Medium article is there. If you just Google Medium Claudia Pastides, then that'll come up. So that's awesome. the best way awesome. and i'm super happy to be messaged and to be dm'd with any questions so anytime oh, you've said it you've thank said you for it having me you've said it now floodgates are open you're very welcome you're very welcome thank you so much <laughs> open and, the floodgates uh, <laughs> absolutely absolutely claudia thank you so much hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.